You know, just kind of a crazy, crazy week. And when things like that happen, you know, I, I, I often ask myself, and I, just, I really ask the Lord, actually, I say, God, you know, what, what are you trying to say to me? You know, what, what is it that you're wanting to, to get my attention for? You know, because um, I find that there are times where I, I'm just so like this that the, 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 the Lord can't get my attention. You know, sometimes he does stuff, and okay, what are you trying to get my attention for? And I was praying that, and then I think it was, um, I think it happened on Friday, and then Sunday I was praying. And then that day, um, I, I read this prophetic word from this woman called Elaine Haynes. And, and it was a, a prophetic word that was the four keys of wisdom for navigating the new era. And that's when I saw it, I just knew, you know, sometimes when you know, I said, I, I know this is for me. I know that there's something here in this word for me. And she said in this word, she had this dream, and there were like these four very practical interpretation applications. And um, the four keys that when I, when I read them, I said, you know what? I know, God, you, you, call, you, you wanted me to grab hold of that. That's what I need. As a church is heading into this new season, I got to grab onto these. And the first one was faith versus fear. That, that God is saying, Mark, are you going to walk even when you don't see, when you don't, are you going to walk by faith or are you going to walk in fear? And I think that's what, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing and all that, um, you know, it is, it is it's scary, right? But I think what the enemy is trying to do with that is he's trying to get us to walk in fear. Now, we've got to be smart, but are we going to walk in fear or are we going to walk in faith? And I said, okay, God got it. The second one was, she said, that you've got to protect what you carry and walk in purity. And I know that, like, I keep saying, God, what's my role? I have a role in this. There's something that you're, you're wanting. I, I can just tell that there's something there that I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to share and speak out and, and just walk in. And I knew exactly what that meant. And, and she was saying that you got to protect that. And how you protect that is you walk in purity. And as soon as I read that, I went like, oh, man. You know? And I, and I thought, and also I said, that, that's what it is. That I have to walk in purity. You know? And uh, I said, yeah. You know, like my wife, Joanne, um, she lives in a really great world where there's right and wrong, black and white, right? Right is right, yeah? wrong is wrong. Unfortunately, in my world, is, a lot of times, there's a lot of gray, right? And sometimes, not all the time, I manipulate the gray for my benefit, right? And the Lord was calling me on that. I said, Mark, you gotta walk in purity, right? You, you, before you point out the speck in people's eye, you got to get the palm frond out of your own eye, right? <clears throat> I said, got it. And then the third one was um, put on the new mantle. And, and what that meant was, was there's something that, that God wanted to, to give. And he said, Mark, this is a new season. And there's a new kind of authority that you've got to walk in. I said, okay, got it. And then the fourth one was move forward into the unknown. 
that, you know, sometimes when it's like, man, I, I, I'm not sure where we're supposed to go, you gotta move forward in faith, not fear, but you gotta move forward in the unknown. And as I read that, <clears throat> um, it really struck me like, okay, God, I got it loud and clear. But what kept coming back was, what kept coming back was the importance of purity. There is something really important to walk in greater purity. And in my spirit, I knew that, that there was something really important there. And you know, just as there is this renewed awareness about physical purity due to the threat of this coronavirus, everybody's, you know, everybody's not washing their hands and doing all these things, and, and we need to, um, it, it's reminding us all about the need, really, um, that we've got to be physically pure. We've got to be clean. But there is another area uh, of great need where we need to be aware of the importance of moral purity. Yeah. That, that physical purity is real important because you don't want to get sick. But moral purity is really important because moral purity can get you spiritually sick and it can mess your life up. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 says, prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And, and being holy literally means being set apart. Yeah, being set apart. And, and what Peter is saying is that as a follower of Jesus, you have been, we've been kind of set apart from what is common. That we've been set apart from what is common in the world. That we're not to just follow along in the world anymore. That, that we've been set apart from what is common in the world, and we've been set apart, more importantly, from sin. And, and remember now that we are part of God's family. That's who we are. We are part of God's family. That's being set apart. And Peter's saying it's so important that the way you live and how we live, that, that we have to live in a way that's pleasing to God. You know, that's pretty much what he's saying, that we've got to be pleasing to God in everything we do, in every area of our life, not just on Sundays, not just when we're doing stuff for God, but, but in everything we do, we need to be holy, that we need, to, we need to have an attitude that we are set apart, and that moral purity is important, but man, it's a challenge for all of us, because Living in the culture in which we live today, man, it's so easy, right? It's too easy to be influenced and, let the, and, and really allow the lines of, of what is truly morally pure to be blurred, right? You know, I mean, what is, what is right and wrong today, you know? And it, it's just blurred and, and then the standards by which we are to live it really doesn't reflect the standards that God has for us to live. 
And so it's really easy just to kind of like, man, how are we supposed to live? And, and the challenge is, how do we stay pure in an impure world? That's the challenge, right? How do we stay pure in an impure world? And Jesus addressed this in a conversation he had uh, with a group of, of all people, with a group of religious leaders and teachers, you know, in Mark 7. And as we go through the book of Mark, you're going to see Jesus begin to talk with all these different peoples. And in, in this section of scripture in which we're kind of focusing in on this week, I wanted to focus in on a conversation that Jesus had in Mark 7 about about this challenge, you know, about this challenge. It was a challenge for them, and it's a challenge for us. So, you know, first thing is that we've got to live a morally pure life in an impure world. Mark 7, verse 1. One day the Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They went to check him out, really. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hand as required by what? By their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow what? Hygienic practices, no? They're, they're saying, why don't your disciples follow our age-old traditions? <clears throat> they eat without performing the hand-washing ceremony, right? And so they're over there, they're checking Jesus out, and they watch their disciples, they're not washing their hands. So they go to Jesus, and and. And, and they knew, you know, this, um, they go to Jesus and they ask him, what's going on? That they're not obeying our age-old traditions, you know? And, and they knew, right? They knew the challenge of living pure in an impure world. But what they did was they decided that God needed their help. And so what they did was they got the law of the Old Testament and they added on their ideas on how you're supposed to obey these laws. And then they added on these traditions that they had to fill them in. It says, okay, guys, this is how you live. And they had all these instructions and, you know, do this. You got to wash your hands in a certain way. You got to do this. You got to do all these things. And what they did was they took obedience to God and God's law and they turned it into a religion. Yeah. And so it all became about, you know, it, came, it was more about following traditions and do's and don'ts than it was about following God. That was their whole focus. And, and, and so their whole focus was, yeah, God, we love God. But what's more important is, is people better follow what we have set out to be these standards of, of religion. And what happens when we do that, that it turns everything into religion and rituals and ceremonies and all this and, and not on, on God. And, and, and that's what they're looking at and that's what they're offended at because Jesus' disciples were ignoring 
their standards, right? So Jesus responds to their question, verse 6. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, nice guy, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with what? With their lips, but not their heart. Their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's laws and substitute your own traditions. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, can't help you, for I vowed to give God, to give to God what I would have given to you. So they're putting God in there now. Can't help you. I would have helped you, but I got to help God. Can't help you, right? And so they're saying that. And it says, in this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own traditions. This is only one example among many others. Ouch. And Jesus was saying that, that moral purity is not purity on your own terms. And that's what they were doing. It's not about what you decide is good or what is good enough. Jesus said that being morally pure is about honoring God. And in honoring God, you just can't pick and choose what you want to do. You can't say, this is something I can obey, so yeah, that's in. Or, ah, that one's really hard. So I can't really do that, but I can't really say I can't do that, so I'm going to kind of word it a certain way so I can do what I think I can do, and hopefully that, you know, that works this whole thing. It's like, you know, they begin to do all that, you know? And... And moral purity is not coming up with your own ideas and traditions. And the, the sad thing is, I can look and I go, oh, these Pharisees, they're so stupid. But you know what? I kind of do that. I kind of do that myself. I kind of do that too. You know? Um, I, I know, you know, I remember talking to this one person and they, they, they seem to, to really have an anger problem. And I said, man, you know what? Um, Seems like you gotta kind of watch. You're just always getting angry, and they say, "I'm not getting angry." I go, "Well, seems that way," and he says, "No." I said, and and they told me, "Anger is when you actually physically hit somebody, right?" So anything other than that, you're not angry. You know, I'm frustrated, but I'm angry, right? And okay, that was their definition. Anger is when you hit somebody. So I said, "You better not get angry at me, then." You know. <clears throat> but you see, we do that. And what Jesus is saying, we cannot pick and choose. You know, we cannot interpret it in the way we want. But, but we've got we've to follow God and follow his standards. And that purity is a matter of the heart. That purity is a matter of the heart. Jesus goes on and he gets to the heart of the issue. He said, how do you live a morally pure life in an impure world. It isn't about coming up with these ideas. It isn't about religion. It isn't about rituals. It isn't about ceremony. What it is, 
It, it, it's, the answer lies in our hearts. It's in our hearts. Verse 14, Jesus called to the crowds to come here and come in here. All of you listen and try to understand. And this was like revolutionary, what he says. He says, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes out and comes from your heart. That Jesus went into the house and, uh, to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him, what do you mean? What, what you meant by that? Don't you understand either? Can't you see that f- the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but it only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes, it, what comes, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. And the truth is, you cannot, we cannot blame being morally impure on things and people around us. And that's what Jesus was saying. They had this, um, they, they, they had this belief that, that man was, was morally pure, that man is inherently good. And they only, and we only get defiled by when we bring something into our life or when we touch, even like touching unclean people, what is termed unclean people, is on the outside is what defiles us. And, and, and what Jesus is saying, uh-uh, you, you, cannot, you cannot say, well, everybody else is doing it, so, you know, I just kind of going along. Or you can't say, well, you know, the devil, the devil made me do this. And what Jesus is saying, we cannot blame what's on the outside because what's on the outside doesn't defile us, you know? It doesn't defile us. It's not the food and all these things. And, and what's interesting was they would always look for something on the outside called the mother of defilement. They always look, okay, what's the mother of defilement that's causing me to get all messed up, right? And Jesus is saying, it's not any of that. That the truth is, impurity starts inside a person. What happens on the outside brings out what's already impure and unclean in our lives. You know? And that's what he's saying. And it's what Paul meant when he said in Romans 3.23, everybody has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standards. And what Jesus was saying, that, that impurity comes from the inside and living a morally pure life is a matter of our heart. And when, you, when they use the word heart back then, it refers to our inner control. You know, it's our thoughts, our feelings, you know, the, the thing that um, helps us to make decisions, the emotions. That's where impurity starts. It says, if you're going to deal with impurity, you've got to look inside your heart instead of trying to deal with the stuff on the outside. You know, and that's a word for us. That we can't say, well, you know, we got to look inside. Jesus goes on and says, this is what's in our hearts. And he just stunned everybody with this. He said, for from within, in verse 21, for from within, out of a person's heart comes what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, greed, sex, uh, wickedness, deceit, 
lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come come from within. They are what defiles you. And Jesus says, guys, all this, all this evil, it comes from inside of us. You know? Men, you can't say, oh, I couldn't help it. That, that, that woman was just so, and no, no. That was already inside of our hearts. You know? It's inside of us. That, that being morally pure starts in our hearts. It's not dealing with what's on the outside. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. That's what the teachers are doing. That's what they're teaching the people. That's what religion does. Religion tells us, just do all these things and you're good. And what God says is, people just honoring me with their lips. That's not moral purity. The moral purity comes from your heart. It starts in your heart. So how do you live a morally pure life in an impure world? Well, you gotta pay attention. You gotta pay attention, you gotta guard your heart. You gotta pay attention and you gotta guard your heart. That being morally pure before God doesn't come from trying to conform, conform to to traditions on the outside because that's not gonna get to the heart of the issue. It's like that rebellious child who defies his mom and dad at that dinner table who's telling him, sit down in your chair, right? And that child who says, well, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm still standing on the inside. See, there's something in their heart, right? And I remember thinking like that child. Mom and dad, I wouldn't do what you say, but I really not, you know, right? I mean, this is evil in my heart, rebellion in my heart. And I can do it on the outside, but it's still there on the inside. And so we've gotta, we've gotta guard and pay attention to our heart. How do we do this? First, we recognize that purity starts from within you and we take responsibility for our own lives. If you remember anything, it's you got to take responsibility for your own life, right? Can't blame, oh, if I had more of this or that, if I had a better job, oh, if I wasn't this. Just take responsibility. You take responsibility for your life. That's where it starts because impurity starts in our hearts. So we take responsibility. The second thing is we guard our hearts. We guard our hearts from impurity. Proverbs 4. See, it's, it's guarding. It, it's it's protecting, the idea of keeping watch, um, to keep from, to protect. That's what, you know, in, in Proverbs 4.23, it says guard, protect, keep your heart from. Guard your heart above all else. Okay. Strong words, right? Guard your hearts above everything else. In it. Before everything else in your life, guard your hearts. Before you do anything, guard your hearts. Is there anything more important? No. Guard your hearts above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. It's your heart that determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path 
for your feet. Stay on a safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Yeah. You gotta guard your hearts. Right? If if <clears throat> you struggle with 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 getting drunk, don't go to bars and all these places where there's you know just stay away from that. Right? So you gotta guard your hearts. You know. Yeah. If if you have a hard, if you're a guy and you have a hard time because you're 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 lusting and and your eyes are getting you in trouble, right? Go to the beach at night. <coughs> right? Let's go to the beach at night. Let's go by yourself. Right? Or go to the beach with your wife or, or some girl, you know, because you know with your wife you ain't gonna look right hard. Huh? Right? Gotta guard. We've gotta we've gotta take responsibility and we've gotta we've gotta not put ourselves in positions and we've gotta put ourselves in position where we won't be messing up. <clears throat> right? Okay? Guard your heart from impurity. You know, one thing that, that I've done that is so great that I said, thank you, God, is read a proverb a day, right? There's 31 proverbs, read a proverb a, a day. If you want to guard your heart, that's a great place to start. But it kind of tells you all, oh, don't do this, do this. Okay, watch out for this. Oh, watch out for that. You know? And it's like 31 Proverbs. You know, today is the first, so it's Proverbs 1. And just, just do that. Just go over and over and over. And you just begin to see how God will begin to give you wisdom and, and begin to, to really help you to guard your hearts, all right? Another thing you can do is cleanse your heart from impurity. Yeah? So you... You take responsibility, then you just guard your heart, and then you cleanse your heart of impurity. Because you know what? We guard our hearts and all, but stuff gets through, right? And we're like, oh. As negative thoughts, ideas, or feelings rise in your heart, grab hold of it, confess, and be cleansed. It's as simply easy as that. Negative thought, oh, God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You just do that. Mark, you don't understand. If I do that, I'm going to be doing that all day long. Then do it all day long. Join the club. But you got to cleanse. You got to cleanse your heart of impurity. What happens when you get a negative thought? Kind of grows, yeah? Kind of and grows, and grows, and grows, and sin grows, and impurity grows. Just nip it in the bud. Just, I'm confessing. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every word that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take that captive every thought and make it obedient to God. Every thought, yes, God, I take this thought now, and I make it obedient to you. Right? Right? Continually do that. Why, why, why is that so important? Because above all else, you got to guard your hearts. Because it's your heart that's going to be determined the course of your life. And it's so important that, yeah, take every thought captive. All right? And then the last thing is strengthen your heart. Strengthen. You got to strengthen your heart. Get into your Bible. How do you know 
what God's standard for holiness is, is in the Bible. How do you know how to guard? It's in the Bible. Okay. Another thing is, is fellowship. Stay connected with other Christ followers. You just got to stay connected. You know, what the enemy likes to do is likes to isolate us. Yeah. And when he got us on our own, man, it's really easy to get all negative and this and impure and all that, right? Right? How, how, how often does impurity and sin come in when you're with other people who are trying to follow God? And how much of it comes in when you're all by yourself? Right? You know? Fellowship. Pray. Ask God to give you eyes to see and the grace to guard your heart. Just keep it, God. You know? Something I've been praying every day is, God, right now, I choose to follow you. I just, Jesus, I choose to follow you right now. Show me what you want me to do. And I do it over and over throughout the day. God, choose to follow you to show me what you want me to do. And the more I do that, the more I stay in what Proverbs is talking about, I stay on a safe path. Yeah. It's when I ask myself, hmm, soul, what do you want to do today? Right. All kinds of foolishness comes in. But pray. Focus on the right things. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, you got to train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, right? People go to the gym. People train. People exercise. People, you know, they, they, they do all these things. And I say, that's, that's good. But godliness has value for all things. And in the same way you attack this physical training, it says to focus in and train yourself to be godly. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I mean, it has eternal value that we've got to focus and we've got to train ourselves. See, living a morally pure life in an impure world it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. That, uh, that, that living a morally pure life is so important. And it's more than just, well, I don't want God to be mad at me. I want to be good. Or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all that. But when we are living a morally pure life, we stay connected with God. You're going to find, right? Don't you find, man, when you are just... Just focusing, training. You're just so close to God. That's such a great feeling, right? You experience his love and his power in greater ways. You know, when I poked my eye, like, was, was really, was really, like, really, really uncomfortable. It's like having a giant hair in your eye. And, and, and when, you, when it moves, it was, like, sore because I guess it was rubbing against your eyelid or whatever. What I realized is you can close your eyes, but then, or I, I was doing this, putting a patch or something, but every time this eye moves, this eye decides to follow, right? So they move together, and it's rubbing. It's like, oh. And then even when you're sleeping, your eye moves. So, so I just had to kind of focus behind my eyelids and just focus on straight ahead. It was so boring, you know? And, and I did that for like about a day, 
And I was like, it's like, man, and I thought, man, I cannot do anything. And the first time I was like, oh, can I even watch YouTube now? Right? <laughs> I can't do YouTube, and oh, man, what am I going to do? And then what really got to me was I said, oh, I cannot even read my Bible. And, and that sounds kind of weird, but, but it was like, I thought, oh, if I'm blind, I cannot read my Bible. And I thought, oh, how junk life would be if I couldn't read. And I started getting this real love and appreciation. God, you know, if, if anything, just heal my eye because I, I, you know, I, I got to read your word. So I was listening on tape. Not the same, you know, because I cannot underline stuff on tape. I can't go up and underline it, you know, the, the audio Bible. How you do that? I cannot. And then I remember when my eye felt better. Then the next day what happened was then the, 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 the nurse, the doctor was saying, hey, um, you're gonna, um, if you get like, you know, uh, sensitivity to bright lights and stuff, then you, know, you might want to wear sunglasses or whatever. And I go, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine at our first day. The next day I get, a, oh, bright lights. Cannot see. But you know what? After all that ended, it was like, oh God, the first thing I did was I read, I said, oh God, I love your Bible. And I've been reading like crazy. I'm so grateful. And, and when you focus on God, you just grow in your love and your relationship. Your, you experience his love and power in greater ways. And then you begin to walk in his love and power in greater ways. That's the coolest thing is when you begin to walk in his power and in his love. And you begin to see and experience things you never experienced before. And then we become shining examples of a follower of Jesus. See, when you're living a morally pure life, people are gonna look at you like, man, come on, come on, come on, come on. No, I cannot, why, why not? And they're gonna tease you at first, but you know what? You become a shining example of what a follower of Jesus is really like. One of the indictments against the church is what? Ah, church, a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because we honor God with our lips. You know, they don't see it in our lives. And when we live a morally pure life, you become a shining example to the people around you. God's word to me this week, yeah, that as I was praying, my eye and the whole thing, I felt God say, Mark, I'm giving you the wisdom you need to navigate the church into this new season. But you gotta protect. Protect what you're carrying and walk in purity. And I think that applies to all of us. That's what Jesus was getting at. That's what Jesus was saying. It's not on the outside. It's what's on the inside. We've got to take responsibility. And that moral purity is really important. And it's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about ceremonies. It's not about coming to church. It's not about whatever. It's, it's all about what's in your heart. And we've got to pay attention. We've just got to guard our hearts above all else. That's what God is saying to us, right? Well, stand. I'm going to pray, all right? Joe, Dave, anything? Okay, let's pray. I'm sorry I went over. That was my bad. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Call these worship guys up. Thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy. Father, I pray that even if you know, that we've messed up, that we can come to you and you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. All we gotta do is forgive. 
All we got to do is ask for forgiveness. So we ask right now. Father, as we head out this week, use this song as this, a song of worship to our hearts, in our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.